Okay, so uh, now I get to introduce Jake. Um, Jake grew up in South Carolina, um, went to ABC, graduated in 2013. Seeing how my memory is today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, he is currently the pastor at Pine Grove in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. I got all that. All right. Um, so uh, please welcome him. And um, thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Yes, your memory is good, Mark. So thank you for inviting me to speak today. Um, you know, how many of you have ever done public speaking? Uh, just by a show of hands. It, it can be in a smaller group or in a bigger group. Uh, one of the main rules of public speaking, one of the, the big things, is that you never tell someone that you're nervous. Okay? But I'm going to break that rule and let you guys know that I am a little nervous this morning. And I'm nervous to speak, and I, and I wondered why. And I've thought back, because on a, on a Sunday morning at, at Pine Grove, I, I don't feel as nervous. But then I started thinking, when am I nervous? And I'm nervous, at, I was nervous when I taught at Ref, Refuel. Um, I was terrified to teach at Refuel, and I, I couldn't figure out why. Every time I speak at Fuel, because I, I go to these youth camps, and they're amazing, and they're wonderful, and I love to be with the youth and help, help them grow and learn. And at Fuel, I... I just was, my heart was pounding until the second I got on the stage, and, I, and then I could take a little bit of a deep breath and, and dive in, and I, and I realized it's because in those cases, and in this case, I've got one chance to speak. I've got one shot. I want to make sure that everybody gets it. I want to make sure that whatever I'm talking about at Refuel, we were talking about incorporating ourselves into God's story. I want to make sure that everybody got it. When I was talking at Fuel, I was telling everybody my testimony, that God's with us in, in, in the middle of pain, in the middle of suffering, God's on our side. I want to make sure people got that. And then this morning, I was like, There's, I've got one chance to give you guys a message that kind of is my passion and my heart. And then I had to start thinking, well, what is it that I want you to get? I've got one chance to give you what I, what, one, one shot to say, here's what I think. But what is it? And I started thinking, well, what's the main thing? What's, what's the one thing, if I had to boil it down, that, that, I want, that I'm going to be doing as a, as a minister the rest of my life? What is the main thing? And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning, the main thing. What it is that we, that we do as Christians, what it is that, what it, what it means to be a Christian, the heartbeat, the pump, the driving force behind what it is that we do when we, when we get here in the church this morning, when we go out and call ourselves Christians in our communities, in our schools. And, and it's important to realize that if you're focused on the main thing, that means you can't focus on the minor things. You can't focus and get caught up in the small things. And so that's the first part we're going to be talking about this morning, is not getting stuck in the small things, in the minor things, in the things that aren't as important. We, make, we focus, on, we major on the majors, and we minor on the minors. There are a di difference in Scripture, in the commands, and in the importance of different things that God tells us. Some things are not as important. Jesus is pointing this out to the Pharisees. So I'm going to be turning to a lot of different places. What I like to tell people is, if you take notes, now's the time to get out your pen and paper uh, if you like to turn in your Bible to mark stuff down, that's cool too. Um, but we have, we're going to have the verses up there. Uh, so we're gonna, but we're going to be moving through a lot of different scriptures this morning to try and get all that we're talking about. Jesus is pointing this out to the Pharisees in Matthew 23. And he talks about them about, 
about the weightier matters of the law. Now he says this, Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You pay a tenth of mint, dill, and cumin, and yet you neglected the most important, the matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These things should have been done without neglecting the others. So Jesus is saying, hey, other translations put this as the weightier matters of the law, the things that matter more. He's saying that, yes, tithing is, is good. You're tithing even, these, these are like herbs in the garden, and they're taking a tenth of their herbs, and they're giving it to the temple because they know they're called, they're commanded to tithe, but then they forget what Jesus calls more important things, justice, mercy, faithfulness, and compassion to people. He says, don't forget the first things, but definitely don't forget the last ones. If you're losing justice and mercy and faithfulness, it really doesn't, it seems like he's saying it doesn't really matter that you have your tithes down. Paul brings this up in his letters. In the time of Paul, to give you a little bit of history, a big question, sort of like the burning theological question on everybody's mind was, can I eat meat? And in today's world, we still have this question, but for us, it's, is it healthy to have all the bacon? Just, I want all of the bacon. Is it healthy to do that? Is it, it or, or maybe, maybe it's animal cruelty. We, we see Food Incorporated, and we see all the animals and how, how they live, and so we want all of our, our chickens and our cows and our pigs free range. Uh, make sure they have a, a nice life before they go right into my belly. Is that, how, is, is, but, but in the time of Paul, this was a, a theological question. This was deep. Because animals that they bought in the marketplaces were slaughtered in honor of Zeus, in honor of Apollo, in honor of the Greek gods. There was food sacrificed to idols. So this is a big burning thing. Can I eat meat? Because it doesn't mean that I'm condoning the gods. What, what does it look like? Am I making idols to be something important? And so this is to get you, the reason why I say all this is to make you understand there's a lot of weight to this question. I mean, people are arguing about it. It's intense. They're having entire councils talking about what do we do with meat that's been sacrificed. And this is what Paul says in Romans 14.1. Accept anyone whose faith is weak and don't argue over doubtful issues. Other, again, other translations say, don't quarrel over opinions. Paul takes one of the most heated, deep theological discussions everybody's talking about and says, eh, it's opinion. He goes, oh, whatever. That's huge. That's, I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy talk for Paul to say it like that. So what I'm trying to get at is that when we come down to it, there are some things that are more important. There are some things in scripture that are the main things. And that doesn't mean that the other things are unimportant. I go to seminary where talking about minute details of theology is like every single day, that's all we do, is, is argue and bicker over what this word means in the Greek. I mean, it's kind of what we talk about. So it's not that these things are unimportant, that we should never talk about them, but there's a main thing. There's something else that should capture our attention, that should capture who we are, that should drive us. Does that make sense? Everybody tracking with me where we are so far? Heads nod. Anybody? Woo! Yes, I got one hand up. All right, we're good then. Well then, what is it? What is the? What are the main things? Okay, we know there's some minor things. What are the? What are the major things? And I'm going to do a quick gear shift, but but stay with me here. 
if someone were to ask me and say, tell me about yourself, in the first 30 seconds, the fact that I believe about in Jesus would come up in some way. One of the defining aspects of my life is that I implicitly and explicitly believe that what God did in and through Jesus Christ was the most important event in the history of the universe. Can I get an amen? That's what I'm talking about. That conviction that Jesus of Nazareth was the person he claimed to be is the reason that I am here in, in more ways than one. So I take what he says very seriously. And one of the most serious statements that Jesus said is found in all of the, the synoptic gospels. So it's in Matthew and Mark and Luke. It's in Matthew 10, 38, Mark 8, 34, and Luke 9, 23. And it says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's a command if I've ever heard one. Jesus says, take up your cross. But what does that mean? So, so, so I take Jesus seriously, and he says to pick up a cross, and then I say, okay, well, what does that mean, Jesus? What does that look like? What does it mean to take up the cross? And I think 1 John 2, 3 through 6, gives a very clear definition. It's sort of it's trying to put flesh and blood on that command of Jesus. This is how that we are sure that we have come to know him. This is to know, to know Jesus, to know, to know the Messiah by keeping his commands. The one who says, I have come to know him, and yet doesn't keep his commands, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him, the love of God is perfected. And this is how we know that we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk as he walked. To, to, to know that we are inside of the love of God. To know that we're, fought, that, we're, that we're carrying the cross of Jesus is to live like he lived. And that's kind of what we get with cross, but it, it means we got to do what Jesus did. And we got to say what Jesus said. What was Jesus doing? What was he saying? Now, I've only got a couple of hours left, so it's only going to take a couple of hours, right, Mark? I mean, oh, okay, good, good. I wasn't expecting a confirmation. All right, great. No, 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 no. I, I want to, so we got to dive in. This is big. I, you can't leave now. <laughs> so what did, what did Jesus say and what did Jesus do? What is he, what is, and I want to talk about first is that one of the things that Jesus did was that he proclaimed that the kingdom of God has come near. Luke 4.43 is a big verse. And if you don't have that marked in your Bible apps, highlight it, make a note of it. If you don't have it marked in your, in your paper Bibles, turn there now. Mark, it's Luke 4.43. It's huge. It's massive. It's big. It's something that you need to have going on in your brain because it's, 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 it's a big, big deal. It's because Jesus is giving his purpose statement, his vision statement. What Jesus is about happens in Luke 4.43. And in that verse, he says, but he said to them, and the people of the town, as I hear people turning, I appreciate that. He said to the people of the town, they're like, no, Jesus, stay here. We love what you're doing. We, got it. we, we, want, we want you to stay here. We want you to stay among us. Be our rabbi. Be our healer. Be our uh, teacher for the rest of your life. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. But he said to them, 
I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because I was sent for this purpose. Jesus is sent to proclaim the kingdom of God. He says, that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm about. That's what I'm about. That's what I'm doing. Well, what is the kingdom of God? And short and sweet, it is the rule and the reign of God in this world. When Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God has come near, when he's talking about the kingdom of God, it means that the kingdom is already breaking into this world. It's happening in little bits and pieces now. And that the kingdom of God is happening. And what does this look like? Jesus says, okay, it's, it has come near. And then he, he doesn't just leave it as a statement, but he makes it happen in the world. Matthew 4, 23 gives a picture of this. Jesus is going all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. When the kingdom of God comes near, people are healed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, the lame walk, the poor are fed. The ones who have no clothes are given clothes. The kingdom of God is that God's rule, what God would have the world to be, is happening here and now. It starts in the life of Jesus Christ, making things happen among the people. And the connection to teaching and preaching, he's healing people. When God's kingdom comes, health and wholeness follows. Blessings flow out onto the world. The kingdom of God was bringing the way God wants the world to be into our real world. And this didn't stop with Jesus. It wasn't like, okay, Jesus did that, but then we're going to have a long span of time before something later on happens. The kingdom of God kept happening. Acts 4, 32 through 35 tells the tale of the community of the followers of Jesus. Now, the large group of those who believed were of one heart and mind. And no one said that any of his, of his possessions were his own, but instead they held everything in common. The apostles were giving the testimony with great power to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them, because all, who, all those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds to the apostles, and laid them at their feet. Then they were distributed, distributed to each person for their basic needs. What's that about? I like that. That there's no needy person. That no, one is, that no one's suffering. That no one's going to bed hungry. That's what the community of Jesus was like in its earliest stages. When it was just a little baby church, it was doing some amazing stuff. Would you like to see that? Would you like to see that kind of community happening today? I know I would. But how do we live like that? How do we, okay, so, so Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is, has come near, that there's something, there's something happening, that God's rule and reign is happening among us, and it can, it can happen in the community, that people can be cared for, that the blessings of God can come to the least of these. But how do we live like that? And Jesus, his answer would be, as any good Jewish boy of his day, you can't. Jesus, as we know, took Genesis and the story of what it meant to be human, that's, that's found there, he took it very seriously. And he believed that we were fundamentally messed up, that we were skewed, that we were broken. 
This break between the way we are and the way we were meant to be. Jesus also knew that he was the one person who could change that. Jesus, right after, he, after Peter acknowledged, you're the Messiah, saying, you're the guy who's bringing the kingdom of God to us. That's what the Messiah was. When you read Jesus Christ, it's saying, every time they say Christ, they're saying, you're the guy bringing the kingdom of God. That's what they're talking about. We know what, what that's supposed to be. You're the guy that's going to bring it. Right after Peter said, you are the Messiah, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, this is what Jesus follows it with. From then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, be killed, and be raised on the third day. Mark 10.45, Jesus, he's recognizing this as the second part of his reason for coming. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Why did Jesus have to die? I mean, that's, that's part of our fundamental understanding of what it means to, to, to be a Christian, is that we say Jesus in his death and his subsequent resurrection resurrection, something happened. Something big happened. Why did he have to die? Because he is the Lamb of God, a sacrifice for sin. He is the substitute that took our place. Because we've been messed up, we deserve the death, and Jesus took our place in it. He is the ransom paid to Satan who holds us bondage in sin, a slave to our own desires, and he's a ransom that bought us out of that, and we, can no, we are no longer slaves. We also stand before God justified because Christ undoes the sin of Adam. God allows us to enter into the death of Christ and to die to our own sins. And we can be given the righteousness of Jesus, the perfect man, and we can inherit life. Because that's what Jesus talks about in the Gospel of John. In, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. That's, that's his mantra. It's, it's, we're talking about the kingdom of God. But in John, he talks about something else. He talks about something that's slightly different. He calls it eternal life. He's talking about a life that will come in another age. For God, so, for God loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, will not die, but have everlasting life. So this whole, this whole thing about what does it mean that we're following in Jesus is that we're saying, we, we have to look at him and say, he's, he, what is he doing? What is he saying? What's the main thing? It's the gospel as Philip preached it. Acts 8, 12. It, but, Philip, but when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. This, this is what the main thing is. Is that Jesus came. And he taught the people about the kingdom of God. That there was something happening among them. That God wanted to move in their world. And that he wanted them to be a part of that movement. That he wanted to bless the world through his own people. People that he saved from sin. And he saved them from sin. Not through their own effort. 
Not through their own work, not through what they've done, but through the death of a substitute that is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the powerful Savior who saves us from our broken state and pulls us into the kingdom of God, now effective in the world, and that will one day be made a future reality. That's the main thing. That's the thing that, we, that I want to focus on. When I talk about what is my passion, what is my drive, what is my desire, what would I have us see, I want the whole world to know that, they, that, that the world is wanting, that God wants to bless it, that God wants to bless the world, that he wants to show people love, that he wants to show them grace and goodness and mercy and faithfulness, that that's what God wants to do. And the way he wants to do that is through Jesus Christ, through the death, the resurrection, and the life that Jesus now lives. And what does that mean for you today? Because that's some pretty high-level theological concepts. Some pretty high-level stuff. What does that mean that we do? We have to do what Jesus did. And that's what we started with. We do what Jesus did. We have to be on the side of the poor and the oppressed. We have to be on the side of the weakest and the struggling, the least of these. And that means something different from your community than will be for mine. In my community, there's a, there's a part of town that's, it's, we call it south of 85th, it, south of that street. Things go, it goes bad real fast. I mean, we, we've done the same thing. We've collected for battered women's shelters. We, that, that's, that's one of the, the problems. South of 85th is, is a fatherless population or, or, or abusive fathers. That's, what we, that's how we impact our world. We need to be on the side of the, of the broken, the ones who don't have voices. Whatever that looks like in our world, that's what Jesus was. Jesus was on the side of the tax collector and the prostitute, the people who were on the, on the, on the outskirts of society, the ones who were shunned and rejected and hated. Jesus was on their side for them and, for the, and, and, and loving them, and that's what we are called to do. He was among the poor and the lonely. He cared for the sick and the oppressed. And we need to be on their side in our society. And then we also need to say what Jesus said. That that, that it's not just, it's great and important and essential that we work in the world for justice. For the oppressed. For the ones hurting. But we also need to say what Jesus said. That there's a kingdom happening right now, and that will also happen in the future. And there's only one way, truth and life, to, e- to eternal life, and that's Jesus Christ. And if we're, not, if we're not talking about that, if we're not telling people about that, if we're not saying, saying what Jesus said about himself and about the kingdom of God, then all the work in the world is going to end up dead in a grave. So, so, so what, I, what I want us to take from this is that there is, we, we are supposed to do what Jesus did. And we are supposed to say what Jesus said. And that's what I'm going to say to you this morning. That, that I don't want to leave here. It would, I would be remiss in my duty if I left here saying, well, I, I gave a good sermon. Hopefully it was challenging. It got them thinking about what they were supposed to do with their life. But I would be remiss in saying that if you're not in the kingdom of God, if you're not living like that right now, there's a chance for you to step into that, to step into what we call salvation. But I'm not going to 
be here next week and the week after that with you. I may not ever be back here to preach again. So I wanted to ask the elders come forward. I'm going to ask an elder to come forward. But if you would like to talk more about what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God, to have God's salvation happen in your life, don't let that pass you by today. If you would like to, to experience what it means for the power of God to move in your life, to live like Jesus would have you live, don't let that pass you by today. And I, that, that, mean, that could mean coming forward and, and having the elders pray over you to, to receive more of God's spirit in your life or to receive Jesus into your heart. Or that could be I got to talk to someone afterwards because going forward is not my thing, Jake. That's great too, but I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss, because again, this is the main thing and it's the thing that I want you to focus on. Let's pray as the band come forward. God, I thank you that you are so good to give us your scripture, to give us your word. Lord, I pray that we can focus on the main things, that we can focus on what's important and that you would bless us as we do what Jesus did and we say what Jesus said. And we pray that if there's, I pray that if there's anyone this morning who would like to hear you, who would like to have you in their life, that if anyone needs your salvation, that you would encourage them to come forward and be blessed over. Don't let them sit in their seats, whether that person's been in this church for decades or if it's their first day in the door. Lord, I want you to move in their hearts and let them experience you in all your goodness. Give us more and more of Jesus and more and more of your, son, uh, more and more of your spirit each and every day. It's in Jesus' name we pray to you, Almighty God. Amen.